gentlemen, to the Stone Builders Hour with Pastor Gary and my lovely wife, Elder J.C. Montgomery. Yes. Uh, we're here today. You know, the Stone Builders Hour is a Bible-based ministry uh, radio program based on current events. And this month, we've been focused on Black History Month and uh, with Blacks in the Bible. And uh, boy, we had a lot of information. Too much information, but welcome, podcast and radio family, to another informative session. We bring you great tidings in the Lord and His Holy Word, the Bible. Last week, we talked about Blacks in the Bible and the way history depicts us. You know, sometimes it's not always favorable, but I know one area that it's favorable with finances. You want to be in the black. <laughs> but last week, um, we talked about how history has been whitewashed, not colorized, and it only benefits one culture over another. But as in anything, we need to emphasize that the Bible is multicultural, it's colored, and to look at how whites have actually changed history by whitewashing the prophets, the saints, the uh, Hebrew Israelites. So we want to delve into this and talk a little bit more about some of the blacks that are represented throughout the Bible from Genesis, Genesis to Revelation. But uh, discussing now, we, previously we discussed Ebed Balik, Jeremiah, mm-hmm. Simon of Cyrene, and the Ethiopian eunuch. I don't know, Pastor, if you want to do a quick little review. Well, the the, the Ethiopian uh, eunuch is with Philip. Uh, he was riding along back uh, to Ethiopia, and he was in the chariot, had scriptures with him, trying to understand it. And the Lord spoke to Philip, and Philip was instantly transported uh, to the Ethiopian's uh, chariot. That's the body I want. <laughs> uh, that transport quick, and next thing you know, uh, um, showed him scriptures and was baptized and that Ethiopian, you know, he went back with the truth and started to evangelize uh, parts of Ethiopia to this day. Yes. Uh, it's known as a uh, Christian nation that uh, has been conquered by any other European countries. And not only that, but they're still practicing the way that Yeshua did when he walked the earth. That's amazing. Yeah, so um, say that the Ark, that's where the Ark of Covenant is at. Mm, I have to go see. <laughs> I have to go see. But, you know, we have fun talking about, um, you know, sharing uh, some of the good news. Because normally when the conqueror of a war or of a battle, uh, we usually take over their culture. And that's how, that's where you get the... Um, uh, the uh, the Gentiles from yes you yeah know, the Gentiles were all originally Hebrews that yes, were captured they were. yes and uh, then and took over and forced, forced to take on their captors religion so, so no longer you would be an Israelite but you, now you a Roman and if you don't uh, stay Roman then you get your head cut off yeah <laughs> or your hand or your leg or foot yeah so uh, and that's who Jesus was coming back for is to get his people yeah. Praise God. Those who believed but have fallen off the path, so we needed to have them come back. Well, this time we're going to talk a little bit more about some of the other uh, heroes that that I'm calling them heroes, that uh, men of God that are blacks, and we're going to delve a little bit into Zipporah 
and we know her to be Moses' wife. Uh, we're going to look at Solomon's bride, and we're just going to kind of give an overview of where these people are sitting in the Bible and their relationship with us as black folks. Let us hear it for Moses' wife. Yeah. Yes, yeah. that's <laughs> Moses, the prince of Egypt, the deliverer of Israel, the man who saw the face of God. I, I love it when he was at the bush and he saw it burning, but then he had to question, it wasn't burning. And as he walked closer to it, what did God say? Take off your sandals for you're about to step on Holy, holy, holy land. Holy, holy. So when we see God, that that's why I know we we say we are like God, that we act godly, but truly, if we are in God's presence, we will be fearful. We will want to take our shoes off because this is holy ground. And so that's one of the things that for me the most stirring. Um, relationship that I see with Moses is when God told him to take his shoes off because he was on holy ground. Mm. Uh, He was married to a woman named Zipporah from the ancient land of Cush. And we all know where Cush comes from. Africa. And remember (laughs) back during his sons. Yes. And remember that they didn't have the word for black. So when they identified certain colors, you were either a Cushite, mm-hmm. you were uh, Ethiopian, mm-hmm. um, you could also be Hebrew, but those were identifying marks of people. It wasn't a racial thing. They didn't right. go around and say it's black, right, black, black, black. Yes, Tribe. yes, yes. So after being raised in the lap of luxury, because remember Moses' uh, mother put him in the water so he could be saved and not killed, along with all the other children who are being killed by um, um, uh, b- 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 Egyptians. Yes. Well, yeah, because they were trying to find, trying to no, I'm, the Hebrew kids. Yes, to apparently do away with this savior that the favorites were talking. Yes, and he was scared. And it's interesting that Moses, uh, being a Hebrew, yes, uh, uh, and also raised in Pharaoh's house, uh, they were all the same skin color. I was just gonna say he he couldn't have been deviated too much from where who they were because he was just like them. And those are original Egyptians based on yes. the pyramids. Yes. And those uh, uh, based on the uh, the mummies and everything inside. They look mm. just like you and I. So, oh, oh, that's right. JC and I just happen to be uh, black. Black. <laughs> and, we, and we don't go into African American and all that. We black. Yeah. That's what it is. That's how I grew up in my or, household. Yeah. And, re- and reminded constantly about my mother. Yes. But after being raised in the lap of luxury as the adopted son of Pharaoh, because Pharaoh's daughter found him in the river and took him home, Moses flees Egypt when he can no longer stomach the enslavement of his people. So some and time went by. He was raised yes. because he was a major warrior. He was warrior. an infant. He was an infant right. that was raised in a household who was given charge over Building pyramids. Mm. Moses was an architect, an engineer, and a warrior. Mm. Go back and read some of the history. He conquered other lands. Yes, he did. For For the Pharaoh. Yes. And just remember, 
when he had to be a bad dude because when the guy came up against him, he killed him. Mm. And he knew right then that he had to flee. But, you know, that's the time for another story. We'll have to come back to that. Yeah, yeah. let's talk about that. <laughs> well, I'm getting excited about Moses yeah. now, you know. While wandering around in the land of Midian because he left and went to Midian, he meets a man named Ruel and ends up marrying his daughter, Zipporah. I wonder if Zipporah means anything. I'm going to have to look that up real quick to see yeah, if Midian it has. is also a land of people of color. Color, yes. Again, here we go. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we know that we're, we're kind of everywhere. But later after the plagues and the parting of the Red Sea, Moses is leading God people through the desert to the land God promised them, which he, when he faces a family crisis, because you know how we are in families. We all get along for a minute and then we have issues come up. His brother Aaron and his sister Miriam are helping him lead the people. They are seen by the Israelites as leaders. But, of course, not as important as Moses or equally as important because, you know, sometimes we get the big hit. This hierarchy of power doesn't sit well with them and they begin to criticize Moses, more so his wife than Moses. Pastor, what happened? (laughs) Well, Numbers 12 says... Uh, Miriam and Aaron criticized Moses because of the Cushite woman he married. So uh, they said, does the Lord speak only through Moses? Does he not speak through us? And the Lord heard it. The breakdown in the family and in leadership of the new nation, it seems to at least have some racist bent to it because Aaron and Miriam, they were jealous of the influence of Moses had and they came against him for marrying a woman of color. But the thing about it, they were all the people of color. So maybe she was, you know, black folks got problems with light skin. We come in all shades. Yes, we do. We come in light from white to black to purple. Cause I was in Africa and I saw black purple people, praise <laughs> God. <laughs> and so th- th- there was some issues there. So, you know, it, maybe it was more on culture because they were believer, well, maybe it's just well. But I was just going to. The Bible say, said it was racial, but remember now, just to give you a little history lesson on Zipporah, she was the daughter of Ruel and Jethro. Because remember, Moses went to the land. It, it said that he went to another land, and it was the land that Jethro owned. So she was part of that again. That tribe that. Moses should have known about, but she was also um, a prince of Midian as well. So her name, believe it or not, means priest. Hmm. So she could have been part of the um, the Aaron, uh, where they called the 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 Levites, mm-hmm. the uh, people who actually praised God and gave God um, stirring. Um, stirring the people up in terms of sacrifices and things like that. But go ahead. Well, you know, just uh, so they were up. So they were upset and God does not like ugly. And, uh, and, uh, and he basically punished them. Yes, he did. But Sapporah's lasting legacy isn't the harsh words of Moses' siblings, 
but the action she took to protect her family. Mm. In Exodus, Exodus chapter 4, as Moses is preparing to return to Egypt and rescue God's people, he's traveling with his family through the desert because he had a couple sons there. Yes, he did. You know, he was married, he had a couple sons. And as they were in the passage, sometimes it's hard to completely understand. It seems that Moses neglected to circumcise his young son. And, and that's the an ancient side of a covenant with the Almighty is to be circumcised. And this was a really, really a big deal, especially for the man who would be the mouth of God to his people. So it was a big deal, in fact, that the Almighty sought to kill Moses over it. Mm. He was going to kill Moses because you didn't do what you were supposed to do. It's a covenant, man. You're supposed to be my chosen one. So, but Sephora, she says, God ain't going to kill you on my watch. Exodus 4.25 says, so Sephora took a flint and cut off her son's foreskin and threw it at Moses' feet. Mm. And again, most scholars are confused about what that means. But we do know this. Sephora took ownership for her family when her husband would not and rescued Moses, who would become the deliverer of Israel from the death at the hands of God before any miracles in Egypt would ever take place. Now, I also want to mention that we should do a study that when people think about Sephora cutting off uh, the foreskin on her sons, those were not little boys. No, they weren't. Those are grown men. Yes. They were grown men. And uh, or should say young men, young men that should uh, have had that done when they were infants, because there was a time period from when how long Moses left and when he was gone. And 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 that's what we're going to leave that for you to study the word so you can see uh, how long that took. But, yeah, that's what he did. But one it off and threw it. But one of the things that is interesting with that scenario is that she. God gives you a covenant and a command. He expects you to live up to it. Yeah. And if not, what was the consequence? The consequence was Moses was going to get killed. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes even today when you think we hear a war, rumors of wars, there's all kinds of diverse things happening. We're, we're having uh, train derailments in little towns that are blowing up uh, uh, vinyl chloride that is a cancer-causing agent. You got Turkey and Syria having the most devastated uh, earthquake. Mm-hmm. I, sometimes God is knocking on the door and we're not hearing him because we are to keep his covenant, his Ten Commandments. We need to get that across to us. And and I'm going to just interject this just because it's out there. Um, Putin gave his uh, uh, guest state of address to his country. And it's a there's a TikTok that's out on part of the conversation or part of his speech. And the very Christian things that he is talking about in his speech should be what we in America are living up to. But he condemns us because we're going against everything that God is expecting of us. That means 
uh, a, a child is brought between a man and a woman who are married, one man, one wife. Uh, you know, there are just so many things that are happening in our country that are the end results. And then look at it. We're, we got crime everywhere. Uh, people are totally out of control, uh, losing their minds. It's just amazing that uh, Putin, who is the, um, the president, the of, president Russia. of Russia, who uh, talking to is doing his state of the union address uh, is telling the people about the this the this information of not only NATO but the United States and how the United States is um, advocating the breakdown of the family. He suggested that uh, we need to become a pedophile nation. He suggested that we go back to scriptures. Mm. How does a Russian, someone who is not, who's a so-called non-believer, or a communist, or whatever we we termed him, that right. we turned our back on scriptures, mm. that we Americans have turned our back on scriptures, mm. and that we're allowing things to happen that are supposed to be human rights, so-called human rights, but are they biblical rights and? And it's just, uh, I just pray that people open their eyes to don't believe everything you hear or see. You got to go and search out the truth. And that's uh, for the purpose of the stone builders. We want to bring you some truth based on biblical uh, standards. Right. And, and believe me, we need to learn our Bible line upon line, precept upon precept, because it's just not a book. It is our operating manual. And I think that was the story of Zipporah is so um, valid because she teaches us that what justice begins at home. If you are a parent, and it's not necessarily especially a white one, but because we're talking about race, Zipporah compels you to have proactive conversations around race and justice with your children. If you hear racism at a family function, Zipporah compels you not to just slide it under the table. That's one of the things why I demanded that we always ate dinner together as a family because we had to have conversations, side conversations, what's going on in school, um, things that happen with your friends, how people treat you. You have to be in a position to discuss those kinds of things. And we've had a number of them with our children where we had to bring up race. It wasn't that we had, we were interested in that because they were never taught to be discriminatory, but it was things happening to them. So if you know of oppression in your family line, support compels you to seek forgiveness first from God. And then from those who have been wrong, because that you do have to ask for forgiveness because a lot of times you come out wanting yeah. fighting mad. But a new nation, one that allows all people to be free, starts in the four walls of your home. Even with young children, Sapporah's example is pushing me to protect my kids in a different and more compelling way. And like I said, we continue that line. You can read more about Sapporah's bold action in Exodus 4, 21 through 26. Pastor read a small portion of that. Yeah. And Moses' family quarrel in Numbers 12. Too much, too much. That, 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 that would be a good study to do on, uh, because just some, you know, here you are. Uh, they just left Midian on their way to uh, uh, on the way to the journey back to um, Egypt, right? And uh, 
And for her to know that the Almighty wanted to kill Moses because he didn't do what he was supposed to do. Why didn't he do what he was supposed to do? His mind must have been someplace else, you know. Yeah, we, it, it always is when we don't want to pay attention to the Lord. <laughs> she stood in the gap and knew that the Lord was out to kill Moses and then took it upon herself as a Midian priest, as her name says, yes, what you said, and cut off his foreskin, her son's foreskin. My, 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 my. So, this, this, I know that this, this, I want to talk a little bit about Solomon's bride. You know, King Solomon, David's son. Mm. Yeah, yeah, King Solomon. You know, growing up in the church, um, we read any part of the Bible that we wanted, but we were always steered away from the Song of Solomon. I never paid any attention to it, but then once I grew into manhood, then I come to understand it's an erotic love poem. So it makes a lot of sense to me. Because Solomon, the son of David, the king of Israel, wrote that song for a woman he was about to marry. Mm. You know, it's about how beautiful she is, how much she wants to explore her body. Is anybody blushing yet? No, no, nah, no, no, none of y'all are because <laughs> all um, this stuff. We live go, in. Hey, you can watch TV and see a whole bunch of stuff now on TV. But that was what Solomon was talking about. He had some words, boy. He was smooth with his tongue, for sure. And uh, so the song alternates between lines spoken by Solomon and lines spoken by the unnamed object of his affection. So he's going back and forth. The first line spoken by the soon-to-be bride includes, it says, I am dark and lovely mm. like Kendar tents, like Solomon curtains. She goes on to explain that she has worked in the fields and the sun has further darkened her skin. Talk about suntan. Mm. While she appears a bit embarrassed at her skin tone, Solomon finds it beautiful. All right. You know, a few verses later on, he bubbles over with excitement. You are beautiful, my true love. Look at you. You are so beautiful. See, we don't know the ethnicity or racial background of Solomon's wife. You know, he did have about 800 of them. Yeah, too many. <laughs> he must have had a lot of uh, Yeah, about 800. And they found this one poem to put in the Bible. Okay. <laughs> he had a lot more words than that. <laughs> but we do know this. She had dark skin. She was beautiful. And she was worthy of one of history's greatest love poems. And aside from an ode to love and a gift of sex, the Song of Solomon is also viewed as an image of the great love God has for his people, depicted mostly concretely in the person of Yeshua. Well, it's interesting that you should say that, that even amongst us, we have poetry. Even everything that we do, uh, there's poetry. Um, and the bottom line, even God says it. Black is beautiful. 
Remember, uh, was that James Brown? <laughs> yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> um, I'm just thinking about uh, the song that he used to sing. But for Say it two, loud. Yeah, I'm, I'm black and I'm proud. proud. All right. <laughs> for too long, people of color in our country have only heard that phrase from people who look like them. If you're a white Christian in America, it's time for people of color to know that they are loved, appreciated, honored, revered, and wanted. Our words matter. And the reason why it does is because Sunday is one of the most segregated yes. times in this country. Yep. You go to white churches, you go to black churches. Yeah, you have some uh, uh, non-denominational, uh, culturally mixed church, mm-hmm. but normally it's headed by white pastor Mm -hmm. very seldom do you see black pastors running a predominantly or a a mixed congregation so if we're still in that vein then there's something we're not doing quite right yeah um Mm -hmm. no one should feel dishonored because of their skin tone in the wake of the past few weeks it took me far too long to send the first text and make the first calls to my friends of color that's that's on any signal because i know a lot of time i'm always texting my children to see what their particular uh view is on certain things that happen in this world and a lot of times they don't or may not see an issue but we still have some 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 things to go. Yes. Um, but spurred on by the example I find in the Bible, I've been proactively doing that and seeing deeper, more beautiful, meaningful connections with my friends as a result. That's in anywhere. That's whether you're black, you're white. We need to get past. We need to find that line that God is looking for. Um we're, we're moving in compassion. We're moving justicely. We're willing to speak about it through our generations. That's one thing that I have to give our young people credit today. They don't hold anything back. <laughs> and they say what's on their mind. It's unfortunate we could, if we could do more in terms of looking at the total picture, but sometimes we're, they're skewed a, a little bit more towards other kinds of things rather than just the account of racial equity pastor well i'm still on solomon (laughs) but i agree with you that um that somehow we have to move past uh race and move to the human um become part of the human race and that's why it's so encouraging uh, you know, we had reported a couple of weeks ago on how the Grammy Awards had this guy dressed up as uh, the devil with a top hat and everything was red and he was just dressed as the devil and just doing all kind of uh, satanic uh, symbols on major TV stations. And it's just so refreshing to know that just a couple of days later, uh, up in uh, Asbury College, uh, it was a breakout of the revival that's yes. still going on, on today, today with yes. young folks. Yes, uh, the Grammy was, you know, it's like uh, all the award people of that age bracket and everything to find those young people so on fire for the Almighty God that that revival is going on twenty four seven. So, so thankful that 
the young folks are hearing and listening and standing and starting to stand up. Now there's supposed to be revivals now. I understand at Yale, mm. uh, at the University of Florida, and a All couple right. other places. And I know we're getting close to time. And But I just want to... Um, I'm going to jump in real quick before yeah. you close out. Uh, I love this month for Black History Month. But remember, it is every day for us. And we look forward to maybe incorporating some of this uh, in some of our other sessions to give people more advantage to take a look at each other and begin to know that God is in the business of doing the right thing. Well, Lord, we just thank you, Father. We just thank you for your continual grace and mercy. Yes. We bow down in all of you and we just pray for our young people to stay on fire for you and let that revival spread. Not only in uh, Asbury College, but through all colleges throughout this nation, Father mm-hmm. in heaven, throughout the schools, dear Lord God Almighty. Father, our churches are quiet right now. Yes. While the family is being decimated. While, you know, the, the, the you know, right now we have more births, children being born out of a two family household, more children born in a single family household than with two parents. We know that's not your plan, Father in heaven. And we just ask that this revival just open our eyes to you, Father, and bring us all closer together as the human family in the mighty name of Yeshua. All right, stay tuned. We'll be back next week. All right, peace out.